Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 328th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. Broadcasting in this eighth year across the world from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, the entertainment and technology capital of the world. What a lot of people don't realize is that Los Angeles has what's called Silicon Beach. They got Silicon Valley up north, we got Silicon Beach down south, and uh, we have wall to wall entrepreneurs, incubators, VCs. It's um, it's really happening down here. I think uh, LA is now the third biggest venture capital and uh, entrepreneur place in the world. Silicon Valley is obviously number one. Tel Aviv's number two, and Los Angeles number three. We're we're really coming ahead down here. It's a very big week. We've got the Winter Olympics in full swing. I don't know whether you watched it last night. The um, it was phenomenal. And uh, tonight will prove to be even better, I think. Valentine's Day tomorrow. You've got Chinese New Year this week as well. So uh, I hope you get something to do something really special this week. Uh, Later in the show, I've got an interview with Joshua DeWitt, who's the CEO of CoinLion. And as you know, I'm very bullish on crypto currencies, and I think it's a great interview and very revealing, I think, to most people. As I've said before, if you're not in crypto yet, get in because I think um, very shortly it's about to take off again, and uh, I think you'll do very well if you invest in the major cryptos. Don't don't go past about the biggest. 10 or 15, and I think you're going to be pretty safe for a good, strong return on investment. Now, this year, we're going to see the introduction of 5G, and that brings with it massive technology advances. You know, mobile networks are no longer just aimed at people chasing fast download speeds. Instead, things like autonomous drones and self-driving cars and lots of other smart devices will benefit the most from these super-fast 5G networks. And the applications pretty much seem endless. For example, swarms of smart drones can patrol the beaches. We can have smart drones all the way from um, San Diego, past LA, and all the fabulous beaches we have here up north, taking advantage of 5G's multi-gigabit data speeds to um, stream high-definition video back to land, where artificial intelligence can scan for swimmers in distress and watch for sharks and pretty much tell everything that's happening on all the beaches in real time, great quality it's, it's going to make a phenomenal difference. You know, currently, individual drones equipped with video cameras are already used by lifeguards. 
but swarms of drones. We'll see their combined video stream swamp today's 4G mobile networks. Now, the real strength of 5G is connecting all these different smart devices. As you know, there's billions of smart devices and the number's increasing every day. But rescue drones are the perfect example. Great ideas like this, which are technically possible on 4G, will finally become a practical reality on 5G. Now, the 5G network relies on two wireless bands with the higher frequency offering faster speeds and the lower frequencies reach further and are better at passing through solid objects like walls, for example. And the first 5G-capable devices will appear in a few months and telcos throughout the world are working with the International 3GPP Standards Body to ensure that everyone uses the same 5G bands so that handsets will work no matter where you are in the world. <laughs> That's a good thing. God, imagine if you couldn't use your phones in other countries. You'd go, you know, for somebody who travels like me all the time, it'd be bloody near impossible. Now, over time, the Internet of Things networks will move across to take advantage of 5G's lower latency, reducing the lag when controlling devices remotely. Meanwhile, 5G is best suited to bandwidth intensive applications like live video streaming, which at the moment can overwhelm 4G networks when multiple devices are operating in the area. Potential applications include 360 degree video streaming, along with virtual and augmented reality. Reduced network lag also means 5G, it's much more practical for using live video feeds to control vehicles and robots and things like that. It'll make one enormous difference. And the, um, the benefits of 5G technologies extend beyond a simple speed boost. The new 5G mobile standard will also reduce congestion, offering the ability to isolate slices of the network to ensure bandwidth-hungry services, and there's lots of those around now, run smoothly without impacting the performance of other nearby devices. And 5G brings with it support for beamforming, which is bending the radio signals from mobile towers to focus on specific areas, such as crowded sporting events, for example, during peak demand. So 5G is going to open up a plethora of new opportunities and it's coming your way sometime later this year. Now much of the audience for this radio program and for my daily 30-second read newsletter are entrepreneurs. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think is the prototypical successful entrepreneur? And most people I speak to say, mm, you know, it's a, a brilliant student that's um, at college and got a brilliant idea and the idea is so disruptive and people are telling him how great it is that he doesn't want to waste any more time finishing college. You know, that, of course, that never would have worked for a corporation at all because they're too independent to work for a boss. They don't want to work from nine till five, but they end up working from seven till 11. Um, you know, they're too independent to work for a boss. They want to make their own mark on the world. They have a passion, a passion to set the world on fire. You know, my idea is great. 
I'm going to kill them. And we hear about these people that left college and have now made millions and frequently billions of dollars. And many of them are just in their mid-20s. So, you know, most people believe that the typical entrepreneur belongs in Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach, that they envision announcing their idea and then getting showered with venture capital, going hunting and building a team of similarly brilliant college-age nerds, release whatever they created, acquiring millions of customers rapidly, then take the startup to an IPO, get a market cap in the hundreds of millions, be on the cover of Inc. by the time they're 25 or 28, buy their Ferraris, their Lamborghinis, their big houses. Now, of course, this does happen. You know, the Zuckerbergs, the Gates, and quite a number of others are great examples of that. But, you know, they're only one in a million. The other 999,999 are not young superstars who leave college. But um, it's the Zuckerbergs and the Gates that get huge amounts of publicity. So if that's your view of an entrepreneur, you would be totally wrong. In reality, the average entrepreneur is 40 years old. There are more baby boomers, ages 53 to 71, starting businesses than there are millennials starting businesses. And even more entrepreneurs in Generation X, which is you know 37 to 52. What's more, your odds of starting a company that experiences scale growth and become really profitable increasing significantly with age. You know, many people believe that if you hadn't started your first company in your 20s, then you're never going to be an entrepreneur. But, you know, there's something to be said for age, financial security and experience, usually at an established company, that are far more likely predictors of an entrepreneurial career. Corporations are usually far more effective in training entrepreneurs than are most business schools or incubators. Now, people, if you're in a big company, you see innovation through the lens of new product development. And you also know how important marketing is. In fact, it's the critical ingredient that makes it all come together. So attaining critical skills is the key to any entrepreneur's success. It's not about reading textbooks and about product market fit, and it's certainly not painstakingly constructing a business plan, because as any entrepreneur will tell you, that most business plans never survive the first day of contact with the real world. Making a successful company requires an intimate relationship with potential customers, not strictly adhering to a business plan. And the majority of startups need to pivot early in their development. It isn't only corporate experience that makes the mid-career professional better equipped to start a uh, former startup. With 15 years of professional experience, you've got a large and productive network of people from which you can draw customers, suppliers and mentors. Someone 20 years younger may have connections on LinkedIn 
but it's only through years of work that, you know, you convert an exchange business contact into a meaningful connection. So with visions of startup glory, you might wonder if my advice to wait work inside a big company is really a better path to becoming a successful entrepreneur. You know, taking advice from Tim Draper, my son Hunter, began his working life getting a tremendous learning curve from Deloitte's before becoming a Googler in Silicon Valley. He's now extraordinarily well equipped to be an entrepreneur. So as you take stock of your career, don't worry, you haven't, you probably haven't missed your entrepreneurial moment and you've probably greatly improved your chances of starting a professional career and a successful business and being a great entrepreneur making loads of money. It just might be 50 before you make it. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We now got about 1.7 million daily subscribers. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and every day we tackle a different subject, from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop and autonomous cars and blockchain. It's absolutely free and its information is invaluable. So if you don't get the newsletter, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll. Today's guest, after the break, is Joshua DeWitt. He's the co-founder and CEO of CoinLion. Now, the CoinLion platform aims to simplify and enhance the user, user experience when managing digital assets. CoinLion's building an environment where users are empowered to create and share portfolio strategies, research, and a whole bunch more. You really should have a look at it. It's very cool. And Joshua's a very smart guy. He's been involved in finance and in cryptocurrency for a long time. And uh, he's got some great advice. Now, I'll be back with Joshua DeWitt after this short break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show from Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. 
Now, over the past six years, we've given you the insights into the lives of somewhere around 350 of the world's most interesting business people, entrepreneurs that have made a success of what they've done. And the idea behind this segment is to try and find out what it is that makes them tick. You know, 95% of all businesses fail. So the 5% that succeed have got something happening for them that the rest of us don't have. So it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and that's why I'm constantly advising you to surround yourself with mentors and uh, to mix with people that are successful. Go out and, you know, watch those documentaries and read those books from people who have done it. Now, we've been talking about cryptocurrency every week now for, I don't know, years. I think about four years ago, I was talking to you about buying Bitcoin at that time. And, of course, most of us didn't. So today, we've got a real expert on the subject, not of Bitcoin, but of cryptocurrency. Joshua DeWitt has a Master's of Security and <laughs> Analysis Portfolio Management. That's hard to say. From Croton University. Yeah. <laughs> he worked collectively on a team managing over $300 million at Merrill Lynch. He has eight years of experience in the finance industry with a history of trading various instruments, including debts and equities and derivatives, FX and more. And he has extensive expertise in portfolio construction and analysis. He was also involved very early in cryptocurrency. He's now the co-founder and CEO of CoinLion. And the CoinLion platform aims to simplify and enhance the user experience when managing digital assets. CoinLion's building an environment where users are empowered to create and share portfolios, strategies, research, and more. Joshua, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard all around the world. Well, thanks for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. It's great. Uh, I love everything you said so far. I didn't know that you were uh, talking about cryptocurrency for the last four years. It's very uh, interesting. Yeah, well, most of us, we've got a portfolio of about, I don't know, 12 products. And uh, the last couple of weeks haven't been um, haven't been the best to recall, have they? <laughs> it took quite yeah. a crunch. <laughs> yeah, it has. But um, I think... Still bullish long term, so... Yeah, that's right. I, we keep telling people that, um, you know, there's, a, there's an awful lot of crypto, cryptocurrencies out there. There's around 1,500 or 1,600 now, I believe. And, uh, you know, you need to make your choices carefully and um, yeah. dif- differentiate between the platforms that could actually make a big difference and people who are just simply trying to raise money. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right on. So, you left your previous right. profession yeah, to focus right. full time on Coin Lion. So, what made you um, wake up one morning and say, "Gee, I think the future is going to be in cryptocurrency." I'll, I'll get into Coin Lion. What, what, what sort of yeah. drove that decision? Yeah, no, it was kind of a work in process, you know, over a, a few years, really, I guess, and um, I had. I've really been focused on traditional finance and, you know, really in the equities markets and building portfolios um, at Merrill Lynch. But then also I was mining cryptocurrency, you know, uh, more Ethereum kind of when Ethereum was 
first getting some some bigger traction. Yeah. Um, so I've been mining Ethereum, um, and then I was also trading cryptocurrency, um, you know, at night and and uh, my free time. And I think that obviously you know you know cryptocurrency never stops trading. No, so at, at the, the equity markets close here for us around three thirty, and so then it would be you know, uh, going and focus on kind of trading some different cryptocurrencies. And, um, I just really being in the finance finance industry, um, you do a lot of transactions. And so I, I had worked as a banker, um, early on in my career as a banker and then as a brokerage associate and then kind of working up, uh, after getting my master's and things, but as a banker and, and even as a, you know, someone who just is dealing with equities and doing a lot of transactions, you know, transactions is really what the core of this is all about. Yep. And when you're doing thousands, you know, thousands of transactions over your lifetime. And a lot of these transactions take time. They take, you know, three day settlement for equities, um, you know, bank accounts, the ACHs are three plus days and it takes time and people wait and call and these sort of things. Um, and it never moves very fast. And then from go- then starting to trade cryptocurrency with instant settlement and then instantaneous transactions, um, nearly near instantaneous, depending on what currency you're using really opened my mind up to like, I just think a lot of people don't do those types of transactions all the time. When you're doing transactions all the time, it really just made me think, holy, holy buckets, you know, this is going to change everything. The way that we do transactions and it, it can be instant, you know, why do we have to wait? So sure. that was what I loved about it. So then I just dove in and I said, the way that we're managing these assets right now is not efficient. Um, the markets aren't efficient in general, but that's, I think it's moving in that direction, but just the way that we manage it, there's no tools that I was used to using. There's no tools to implement any sort of disciplined or controlled, uh, investment processes. And so that's what I wanted to bring to cryptocurrency is, um, a way to, you know, like you talked about just a little bit ago, you said that, um, you know, you gotta be careful what coins you're putting, you know, what money you're putting your coin, uh, what, what, uh, coins you're putting your money into, excuse me. And then, um, you know, you can, if you, if you go into the wrong coin, you can pretty much lose everything. And that's why I agree with what you said. There needs to be disciplined sort of processes around that. And that's, you know, whether you want to have a lower risk cryptocurrency portfolio, if that's even possible or not yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So you have your low risk, high risk, that sort of thing. So we're kind of trying to bring all that to cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's I why think- I left. It's a game changer. I, I think, um, I sort of work on the philosophy that um, platforms are much more likely to succeed than um, individual cryptos that are being generated to raise funds or whatever. So I think it, if you stick to platforms, and it doesn't matter whether it's a Ripple or whether it's a Funfair, or, but those platforms that are specifically built for a, a purpose – yeah, you're probably reasonably safe. Yeah, I would say you know, depending on the purpose and the use case yeah. of and the platform, you know, or the protocol. You know, I think protocol yeah. is a big word being thrown around there right now. As far as the, what's the difference between a protocol and then a cryptocurrency that that's not associated with the protocol. So, um, get another call here on my phone. I'm just going to end this right now here. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, I think it's, you're safer if you're, if you're looking into these platforms and protocols, um, and also got to look at the use cases of the coin, you know, what problem is this token solving and is it going to be a large, you know, problem that it's solving or a use case that can be applied here. So what did, what did you see back then that, 
you know, other sort of respected people from, with finance buck, backgrounds like, say, Buffett and Dynan, to name two, don't see. Are they just um, too entrenched in their old-school bullshit to be able to see the forest for the trees? I think so. You know, I really do. I think that you obviously have your older generation, and there's obviously a lot of people that are very open-minded and, and seeking out new technologies. I think you really want to, you really have to seek out new technologies and be willing to try and use and adapt to those technologies. Um, I think you know, if you would ask Warren Buffett, maybe back in the day, I don't know if this is true, but if you would have asked him, hey, what do you think about text messaging on a mobile phone? Yeah. You know, what would he be said about that? Um, and I, I kind of think this is this movement is very similar in a way to the text messaging movement um, and the mobile phone movement where you can just easily send a message instantaneous to a friend and soon sending a cryptocurrency. It already is, in my opinion, very similar to that um, if you want, but it'll become even easier as we make uh, and develop more applications to make that very easy and simple. Um, so I think, sorry. Yeah, that's gone. I was just going to say, I think that's kind of what um, I saw. Maybe that's something other people did. Is I've, I've always wanted to um, seek out new technologies because I did kind of, I don't want to say miss the boat on some of the, you know, internet, early internet stuff. I was very young at the time. I was only 15 or so. So I was following stocks like Apple and things like that. And I really sure. wanted to stay up on the cutting edge technology. Is the big um, the big restriction at the moment simply speed of transactions? For example, in the case of Bitcoin, I mean, I look at Bitcoin and the transaction speeds that they can do, and I sit there and say, how can this possibly ever work? At, with because you know, at the moment there's what twelve million people or something that have got into cryptocurrency, but there's eight billion that aren't, and as soon as those eight billion start to get on. You know, you'll go crazy trading something like Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it depends, too, on ultimately what the, the use case is of Bitcoin. You know, I, that's why I think the shift of more of a store of value, I mean, you hear about the, the hold, hold on for dear life and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that... I think that Bitcoin, yeah, there's some inherent uh, issues with the transaction speed and then the incentivization structure and things like that. And some of that may change going forward. But uh, I think we'll adapt, you know, other cryptocurrencies or and they're coming out with um, different coins that are more stable. You know, I know they have Tether, but there's a lot of different. Tether, um, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I don't either. But I think there's some good things coming out with like MakerCoin and Get ba uh, Basecoin. Get Basecoin. Um, I think if they can do some of the things that they want to do with decentralized stable coins, that's going to make the cryptocurrency really just explode that much more. Because now, yeah, Bitcoin will be used more as a store of value. But some coins that are more decentralized and stable, um, you know, that that will stay at a dollar for example, but are decentralized and not backed by a dollar, so to speak, but run in a little bit different way, like an algorithmic central bank. Um, so once they come out with some of this stuff, I think that that's going to really help uh, open up the doors to a lot of people because right now there's just so much volatility. And I think those types of things will help smooth out that volatility as well as more efficient markets um, and, and more efficient pricing um, as more people enter the space. Yeah. So with CoinLion, um, what were the biggest challenges that you and your team faced? Was it funding? That seems to be the major problem most people have. Yeah, well, um, I think we, we, you know, we did we completed a token sale. Um, right. You know that 
similar to an ICO, but it's an right. Ethereum-based token as a, a use case within our platform. And um, one of the reasons we chose to go that route is because we wanted to have users come to our platform and use the coin for the use cases that it was intended for. Right. Um, so if you, the, the great thing about going the token sale route, if you are building a platform like some similar to CoinLine or something else that requires users, um, you're able to go and get those users kind of in the same shot as you get the funds, you know? Right. Um, so for example, VC, if we were, to, if we would have taken on just say one VC or two VCs, well then we might have two users users on our platform um, wanting to use our coin, you know, so to speak. So we really wanted to create a model that encourages people to come use the coin to help share and create this community within the platform. Sure. Um, so that's one of the main reasons we chose to go that route with the token sale. Um, the challenge really was just doing the token sale. Um, it's not something that, you know, you have experience in typically when you get into this. Um, until you get a, maybe if you do a few token sales and you're and you're working on different projects, but most people don't do that. Um, so just understanding how to run a token sale, um, setting up you know all the wallets and the smart contracts, building those, um, writing the entire white paper and building the website. It's inc I mean to do it properly. I know there's talk of how simple it can be, and and people do do well. But like for for us, if you do it right and you want to have the right board members and the right team and you need to have you need to have preliminary funding but then you need to put in i mean we I put in hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of work yeah um so that that was the challenge just doing that um and getting that all organized and then doing it efficiently with no errors you know it's uh it's it's tough so that's good advice to the people that are looking to start a uh, their own coin um so what advice would you give to the people that are sitting out there listening saying, geez, you know, I've always bought traditional stocks and I don't know about this cryptocurrency thing. It's pretty volatile. And maybe the whole thing's just a fake and it'll fall over. What do you say to those people to encourage them to invest in crypto? Um, yeah, so I'm no longer a financial advisor and I'm not your financial advisor. Yeah, I can't give advice really to invest in it, but I first would say that the starting point would be to educate yourself a little bit yeah. um, and, and find some good resources and understand a little bit how the technology works. You don't have to understand all the code and all the cryptography behind it, but to understand why it works and how it works. There's some really good books out there. I would say to read one of them being like the, the um, digital age of the new economic order and the new right. revolution kind of title. I, I think yeah. that's a very popular one starts off, lays some good groundwork and goes through the history of money and that sort of thing. And once you have an understanding, I think of um, how money functions and that sort of thing, you kind of understand how uh, powerful this stuff is. So I think education is key. Um, and then obviously don't put in anything more than you really can afford to lose. Um, and that's, uh, that's another thing. And that's then always I would great say, advice in any sort of investing. Yeah, yep. it is. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, and uh, then I would say, um, you know, maybe start to do a few transactions using cryptocurrency. Um, obviously, a lot of people know the, the Coinbase application. It's a very simple way, I think, to get started. And I always tell people, hey, just send a little cryptocurrency to a friend um, using that application and get the feel for how it works. 
and then maybe move on from there. Once you understand how it works and you're comfortable with using it, then I think you have a little bit more of a eye-opening experience and you're saying, well, this really does work. It is working. That was slick. It only took a few minutes and uh, they, they received their funds or I received my funds and then you get the hang of it and then that then you can really feel a lot more comfortable um, getting more involved. So if, if uh, somebody was going to get into cryptocurrency, are you advising them, would you advise them to, um, oh, okay, forget, forget the word advise. Um, would, <laughs> would they be better off just buying and sitting or are they better off trading? Oh, I definitely think buying and sitting right now, especially for the, um, uh, the newcomer to the space. Um, I think, and I would say, you know, maybe try to build a little bit of a portfolio in a sense where you would maybe have, you know, the top five or six largest currencies in your holdings, and then maybe allocate a smaller percentage of that portfolio to maybe try to achieve uh, or outperform the market, if you will, so to speak, um, and achieve some greater returns. That would be one way that I would approach it, I think. Um, okay. And that's something that CoinLine is really working to help with is the newcomers coming to the space. They don't have really any idea um, what to do. And so we have kind of uh, allowed people to create portfolios or will allow people to create portfolios of currencies on CoinLine. And then newcomers can come and kind of piggyback off that and get those portfolios and follow and track um, those portfolios in their own portfolio. So right. it's a good way for newcomers to come and do that sort of thing. So that's kind of where... I would say to be, um, you know, I just don't think that going off and picking some coin just because it's a low price and putting all your money in it and think it's going to, you know, just because it's less than a penny or whatever, it doesn't mean it's going to go up. So. Yeah, sure. I agree. Now, you, you look at the um, traditional banking system, I guess, um, represented by banks, um, and then that's on one hand, and then you've got cryptocurrency on the other hand. Do you, is, is the future for the two of them to somehow work together or do, is the cryptocurrency, you know, so much better a system that the um, dinosaur banks will, I think, I think banks will go out of business anyway simply because people are not, <laughs> people are not going to put money in and at two, at 2% or 1% sure. borrow it back out at 8 or 10 and then wait for yeah. a week for a check to clear and all that. So they're fucked. They're gone. Yep. So, but is there any of that traditional um, financial world that melds nicely in with crypto or are they just too divergent oh. different to work together? You know, I think there's fundamental issues in both right now. Um, but I do believe, and then one of, one of them being like, in crypto recourse, you know, recourse is pretty hard to uh, have, you know, if you lose your coins, it's tough to get them back. Bank has some of that. Um, millennials are more comfortable. You know, I think the younger generation is more comfortable using technology, but I think, like I said, as applications get better um, and we develop better cryptos or better applications that utilize crypto that allow for recourse. And so maybe that's, you know, sort of a PayPal type of uh, structure where you can file a complaint, funds are held in escrow, you know, those sort of things. Um, if that's happening within crypto, then yeah, I think that there is opportunity where the banks could suffer. Um, 
but I think banks will try to adapt and change and use those technologies. They may be a little slow moving. There's always going to be a, a group of an older generation that's going to feel very comfortable with the bank and they're going to need that. Um, but in, so that maybe that's 30, 40 years down the road. But I do see that happening though. Eventually just, you know, Uber kind of Uber, Uberization of banks, I guess, yes. you know, Uber wipes all the taxis and this could happen. I mean, it, it's almost inevitable, but it, it might take longer than we think. Do you think I, – I was speaking to my bank manager for a show I was doing and I said um, – and it's a big bank. It's um, a big Chase branch, you know, where they used to have 20 tellers or something. And I said, how many, yeah. how many people actually come into the bank that are under, say, 35? And he said, yeah. none. We don't see any. So I said, well, what about under 45? And he said, no, very few. Most of them, um, most people bank by photographing the check or whatever they do. The, yep. Most of the transactions are wires. So, um, you know, we just don't see them. So it's got to be it's got to be really hurting them. And uh, with a bit of luck, they'll be gone in 10 years. I hate banks. Never like banks. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, other one other problem that you hear all the time with crypto is it's okay, I, I buy it, I make a profit, but how the hell do you get your bloody money out? You know, and, <laughs> and I know some guys that are big on crypto and there's a Ferrari dealer down in um, – Southern California, where you go in and you plonk down two hundred and fifty thousand in Bitcoin, and you drive out your Ferrari, and then you go and sell it to somebody. Um, but <laughs> it's true. That's true, true yeah. story. So oh, I hear you. How the hell do you get your money out once you're in there? Um, well, I mean, you can use the standard applications if you want Coinbase over time, which I'm just I don't you know I don't like Coinbase really because of the fees and all that, but they do yeah. make it simple to get you know, funds out and they increase your limit up over time. I think, you know, you can do up to, I don't know what the max is, but 25,000 a week or something. So I know if you do have, you know, millions in there, yeah, it can be a challenge. Um, setting up a corporate account with a company like Gemini or a company like Uphold um, or um, even like a Kraken lets you wire transfer money out. So, I mean, it can be done. You just have to take the time to get a little bit more verified. Um, Gemini, I don't believe, ha they don't have any wire transfer out limits on Gemini. Yeah. Um, those, that that, that, place, that uh, firm is set up by the Winklevoss twins, uh, yeah, sure. large Bitcoin holders and, yep. and Facebook uh, opponents. They've really done well, haven't they? Yeah, they, they sure have. And I, I, I just think that they're, they're right on. You know, they obviously got Facebook right. Now they're getting this right. So they know something. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, that's another place to do it. Um, so there's different ways to do it. Otherwise, Or you can find a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. And CoinLine will be a place uh, to do that in the future as well. So I think the applications are getting better. Um, there's some banks that are friendly. And obviously you hear, hear the stories of all the banks that are very unfriendly. So yeah, you just got to sure. find the right avenue. So. Are people um, leaving the traditional finance companies and banks in droves to to trade cryptocurrency or go into the cryptocurrency area full time? Is that is it only the younger generation, or is there a sort of mass exodus, or is there no exodus? 
Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say droves just yet. I think that there was. I you heard about it more maybe even a few months ago around December when the prices were very high, and then also a lot of people were. It was all over the media and things. It seems like it. The, you know, some of the hype has maybe died down a little bit here, but um, you know, I, I think that the reason traders like it and they will continue to flock to it as far as traders go is because you know it, it never stops trading. So that's one advantage. Our traders love volatility. That's really where they Absolutely. make a lot of their money. Particularly so, extreme volatility. <laughs> yes. And so that's why they like cryptocurrency right now, you know, volatility. And then also that you have the instant settlement, you know, instant settlement uh, using the blockchain. So I think they like that too. So I think there's a number of, um, you know, uh, advantages or uh, attractiveness to the crypto markets that traders want. So I think there are, I'm sure almost every trader or a lot of traders at this point are doing both. And, um, you know, maybe waiting to make that jump until they can, can feel comfortable or find, the, you know, more firms too. Uh, I'm reading about now are, are setting up like trading desks for the traders to trade crypto. Sure. And so I think as that happens, you're going to see more traders doing that. And this, it affects more and more, as it affects more and more industries, there'll be people switching across. A, a good friend of mine has um, created a blockchain for musicians and artists and uh, yeah. immediately they sell an album or get a download or whatever happens the everybody that should get a royalty is instantly paid a royalty instead of going through the traditional APRAs and all those people where you can wait six nine twelve months to get your royalty using blockchain yeah. you get your royalty right now and um you know, most entertainers are starving and they live on <laughs> the odd few royalties they get. And uh, people, yeah. are, people are flocking to that because it's just changed the way that they get paid and the way they live. So the more, yeah, that, happens, the more that happens, the, the faster this growth is going to become. Yeah, and I think just in our day and age today, people are looking for more ways to be, you know, be free um, and free from whether that's free from the banks or just free from working the traditional nine to five type of career. And the, the blockchain being kind of the middleman to end all middlemen, I guess if you want to call it that, can allow that. And the Internet has done that in a sense, too. You know, you have all these entrepreneurs that are around and, and providing you know value through the Internet. But as blockchain makes it easier to get paid and, tr and track all that, I think you're going to see more of that. Uh, type of freedom lifestyle kind of come out and, and blockchain helping to, to create that. So talk to me about um, CoinLion. What, what do you offer? Why should, who should use you? And um, why should I use you? Yeah, definitely. CoinLion is really working to build a cryptocurrency trading platform. Right. Um, one that is both simple and powerful and, and also appeals to both the advanced trader and the newcomers. So this first kind of, um, you know, as we raised our funds and, and it, it, it's catered to more the, toward more of the individual who's been involved in cryptocurrency, understands you know, what they're getting into and, and participated in token sales, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they're going to come to the platform and help create uh, content as well as portfolios that can trade right on the platform. It is an exchange um, and use our portfolio management tools to create portfolios. 
Yeah. And then now, as there's more entrance, uh, more entrance entering the space here over 2018, 2019, and so on, they're going to come to the platform to kind of maybe piggyback off some of those ideas and say, okay, well, look at Bob Pritchard has been running a portfolio on Coinline for the last you know, two years and it's had a return of this and an average monthly return of this. And now I, I want to reward, I want to pay Bob to kind of get all of his picks. I can do that. And that would be, you would reward you Bob in, in the lion coin, um, you know, for, for following that portfolio. So it's kind of creates that incentivization structure, that token economics, uh, if you will, that I think is going to really change a lot of things. That well, sounds that's like a great idea. Yeah, there's and there's so many other advantages too for the like the lion token within the platform. It lets users have discounts on trades and free trades in the in the certain trading pairs, as well as access to research. There's also a social component built into CoinLine where it allows you to share content, so you could post your podcast there within CoinLine and be rewarded for doing that. Um, just a lot of really cool things that I think we're doing that that haven't even been done before. Okay. Um- how do you think that um, banks and major financial institutions are going to react as cryptocurrency becomes stronger and stronger? What can they, you know, you've got a background in in their industry. What can they do? Is Do they have anywhere to go or are they just totally being painted into a corner and they're screwed? Um, I think long term they may be. Um, they, they could be painted into a corner just because – if you and I can transact without them, why would we use them? Absolutely. Um, but I, like I said, yeah, and I think there's still um, inherent flaws really in both systems. And as we develop these applications, for example, like CoinLion um, or other applications, other types of wallets and just that are very similar to the banking applications they're used to, um, then I think that, that we won't have to use the banks anymore. We'll just do it on our phones. And, and you, don't, you won't need any more checks. You know, why, why would you need a check? Um, What's a check? That, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know I haven't used a check in so long, but I mean, it's just, it's amazing what, what I think cryptocurrency can do and will do. It's, it's, uh, we haven't even discovered really any of the, some of the use cases. You know, we've discovered a lot, but I think as we build out, build out all these applications and keep growing and expanding, it's just going to be phenomenal. You know, pay, I'm just thinking of like payroll and all that sort of thing to make sure. it just very uh, simple, easy, quick, cheap. Um, it's going to do a lot of that, and, and it's going to take away a lot of those services that banks are used to providing right now. Um, and, and banks do provide security as well, and, and cryptocurrency is very secure, but we still need to develop some applications to make it easier and more secure. Um, in my, you know, you're, you, Bob, you've probably used, you know, like a hardware wallet or like just sure. an Ethereum wallet. Um, without with your private key versus using something like Coinbase where you have kind of your name attached to it. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I'm used to using just regular blockchain wallets, you know, whether that be through a MetaMask or through my Ether wallet or whatever. Um, that to me is very simple and easy you know, and as easy as sending a text message and easier than setting up an account, uh, say with a Wells Fargo or something like that. <laughs> but there's still people that aren't ready to make that kind of jump, you know, so they need to be handheld through this and they're doing that through like a Coinbase, you know, something like that where it's just, you got, it looks just like your banking application. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, the blockchain's got so many more applications in, in finance with say funding, people buying property or I know Jay Samet, who's a friend of mine, um, is working on a real estate um, crypto that um, will make it easier for people to get loans, easier for them to, um, and, and generate 
income as they go so that the um, the payments will be less and they can actually end up ahead. So there's yeah. all of those things that are really going to screw traditional institutions. Um, yeah, and then the, the lending, I'm thinking, you know, uh, pooled lending, and they're already doing that out there with cryptocurrency, but yeah. I mean, giant lending pools where I can stake money and stake my crypto into that fund, and then I get paid and other people can borrow from it, you know, um, so it takes out the middleman there too. Okay, so what what challenges does um, Coin Lion face? What are what are the things that you see the the speed bumps that you see ahead of you? Um, I, I, the big one on the horizon now has been the regulation. Um, just we have a kind of yeah. a full time in house attorney, and then we have another attorney, another firm that we work with, another firm. So, um, really just to stay up on top of all that and make sure that we're doing everything right and by the book. Um, and that's one of our big challenges. And we want to, you know, there hasn't been much regulation in the past um, or talk of it. You know, now they're coming out with more and more. You see it in the news every day. Sure. And so to stay in front of, uh, to stay in front of that um, and, and comply with that um, is what we're working on basically all the time. So I think that's one of the things, you know, pending any, and I, I don't think we'll see any debilitating, you know, regulation, but that would be the big challenge. Um, and, and we'll adapt and change as needed to overcome that. But uh, that's one thing. I think that a lot of cryptocurrencies have that on their mind. Um, the other thing is security. Um, you know, just making sure that everything is secure. And we have a very comprehensive security protocol um, following some of the best practices in the industry. So I feel very good about that. But, you know, you never, there's always, um, you know, you just got to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to protect everyone. So that's the other, the other aspect of it. Yeah. For every, um, for every smart, good guy, there seems to be a really smart, bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm, that's very true. If they can find any sort of exploitation, they will. So we try to t- attack that on some different fronts, you know, starting with the people that we hired, then down to the hardware that we use and so on. So, um, yeah, just doing everything we can there. Well, Joshua, thanks very, very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. It's a a fascinating subject, and um, every week uh, I urge people to get into cryptocurrency, do their homework, get in, because I really do think that it's – I I got into crypto because uh, I sold a property. I went down to Chase Bank, and I said, if I give you X amount of dollars and, you know, quite a – large chunk what what mm-hmm. can you do for me and they came back and said oh we could probably get you five or six percent and i said yeah, i can do better than that standing on the corner with a hat <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah they, it's, yeah they, they don't offer much and i think honestly nowadays when i was that well i don't know where interest rates are but they were literally 0.1 percent for your savings account yeah it's not good if you'd like to know more about Joshua and CoinLion, go to CoinLion, exactly as it sounds, C-O-I-N-L-I-O-N dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to the Bob Fritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show. We're on Voice America Business Network and come to you each week. The opportunities for small business and entrepreneurs are going to be fantastic in 2018. And uh, as you know, I'm big on crypto, so if you're not in it, you should get in it following that interview. That should have encouraged you a little bit. Now, I think there's going to be a big correction in 2019, so this is the year to make it. So there's no time like the present to get your act into gear. So please continue to listen to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. And this week, we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where entertainment meets technology. You know, in the wake of the Me Too movement, companies are scrambling to try and figure out rules that can keep their employees safe. And at the same time, protect the companies from um, scandalous headlines. Now, you're not going to stop office romance. Guys are guys, girls are girls. Put them in close proximity. You know, people, they spend more time together than they do with their friends and family. And studies have shown that 41% of people have dated a work colleague. So you're certainly not going to stamp it out. So trying to do that is pointless. Facebook and Google, among many other companies, are working on their own solutions in the form of guidelines for general behavior and updated dating uh, policies. Being realistic, you know, it really is impossible to outright prohibit internal staff dating. It's not going to happen. Or, you know, you could, I guess, create some complicated relationship contract, but that ain't going to work either. So the tech giants have decided to put into writing some of the rules when it comes to asking out a co-worker. The most straightforward of these rules, and I think this is a good one, employees only get one chance. You ask somebody out or for a drink or whatever, if it's a no, then that's it. End of discussion. You cannot ask that person again. I think that makes sense. And if you're not sure whether your feelings are reciprocated or not, or if you're getting mixed vibes, ambiguous answers like, sorry, I can't, I'm busy, or I can't that night, also count as a no. And again, you cannot ask again. But they make sense to me. Facebook also explains their employees don't have to report the date to HR if one is more senior than the other. But if there's a clear conflict of interest, whatever the hell that is, I'm not sure what that is, then the empl- and the employees don't report it, then punishments will be applied. Now, as sexual scandals continue to be exposed across the business landscape, this precaution is building a set of standards to categorise the shades of grey that often come with any form of communication. Some HR reps have played devil's advocate, explaining that strict dating policies can often feel too invasive to potential employee prospects and um, hurt their recruitment efforts. But the rules set in place, at least by Facebook and Google, seem to be based on a common sense approach rather than some big brother oligarchy. And as such, they're probably a pretty good baseline for anybody to follow. I've only got a minute or so left, but back in November, fitness tracking app Strava published the global heat map, 
the seemingly cool interactive that used 13 trillion GPS points to show where people were the most active between 2015 and 17. The problem is it came with a major security oversight. It turns out soldiers, American soldiers, use fitness trackers too. And their movements, which show up on the map, were used to pinpoint the location of US military bases. So you're out in the middle of a desert and all of a sudden there's a hot spot where everybody's using their fitness apps and the bad guys were saying, aha, that is an American military base. So the, um, <laughs> the data offers a mine of information to anybody who wants to attack or ambush US troops in or around the bases. The soldiers probably shouldn't be publicly tracking their locations or even using these devices at all. And the blame for all that, you know, it falls partly on our government. The Pentagon's openly endorsed the use of Fitbits among military members as far back as 2013. That is what you call a fuck-up. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. You know, when you think about it, anybody can do the ordinary. Who wants to be lying on their deathbed and say, Everything I did was ordinary. God, you've just wasted your life. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than it is to aim for the gutter and succeed. And so many people do that. If you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing it can be to be abnormal. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I will again be broadcasting on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. In the meanwhile, have a fantastic Valentine's Day tomorrow. Enjoy your Chinese New Year later in the week and continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.